0: How could a nightclub fire with mass casualties not be what everyone was talking about? What started out as an afterthought became the headline story. What changed? Find out now on this episode of Top Fold. Welcome to Top Fold, a podcast about all the news that would have been. I'm your host, Luke Hefley. Here at Top Fold, we explore monumental events that didn't make the top story only because that spot was already taken. Just across the Ohio River, less than three miles south of Cincinnati, there's a small town named Southgate, Kentucky. With fewer than 4,000 people, this little community once had something no other place in the country had, the Beverly Hills Supper Club. Opening its doors in 1937, the Beverly Hills Supper Club was the place to be. For decades, people attended elaborate banquets and cabaret shows in this Vegas-style nightclub while enjoying headliners from Las Vegas, Hollywood, and New York. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., along with many others, would all make stops at the supper club. Southgate wasn't Vegas, but you would never know. For over a century, the area was known for anything goes. Gambling, prostitution, and alcohol were extremely common, and according to Esquire magazine in 1957, the Southgate-Newport area was named the original Sin City, the outlaw grandfather of Las Vegas. Much like Las Vegas, for decades, the area's gambling houses, brothels, and shady bars were run by the mob. But in 1961, when Attorney General Bobby Kennedy and Campbell County Sheriff George Ratterman cracked down on the illegal activity, many places had no choice but to close their doors, including the Supper Club. In 1971, new owners reopened the upgraded Beverly Hills Supper Club, complete with fine dining and top-notch entertainment. The casino-style Anything Goes setting was gone, and the Supper Club became the most successful dinner theater in the entire Midwest. On the evening of May 28, 1977, the headline act was to be John Davidson, who many may know from programs like Hollywood Squares, That's Incredible, and The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, where he guest-hosted almost 90 times. However, that night, he would not perform. Just after 9 p.m. on this Saturday night, with the club twice its capacity, a tragedy struck. While entering a banquet room, two waitresses noticed smoke coming from the ceiling. They immediately called authorities, and the fire department arrived in four minutes. It wouldn't matter. Smoke started billowing through the rooms, and people, some unable to escape, panicked. Flames and smoke rapidly engulfed the building, making this disaster the third deadliest nightclub fire in U.S. history at the time, injuring over 200 and claiming the lives of 165 people. Most of the fatalities occurred in the cabaret room, the main venue where Davidson was set to perform. On all accounts, this was a major tragedy. But this holiday weekend, even a horrific story of a nightclub fire resulting in mass casualties wasn't what everyone was talking about. What other event had grown from obscurity to the headline story, becoming one of the main topics of American conversation? What could possibly have bumped this story from the headlines. All across the nation, people couldn't stop talking about an over-budget movie by a relative unknown that was now taking the country by storm. Or stormtrooper, Trooper, that is. Star Wars, which had opened on May 25, 1977, just three days before the Beverly Hills fire, had truly sparked a phenomenon that no one had seen coming. How could a movie consume this many headlines? so much so that a nightclub disaster was almost totally pushed out of the conversation. How could the nation be talking about a space movie that was playing at only a handful of theaters on opening night? That is one of the main reasons everyone was talking about it. It opened in only 32 theaters. Thirty-two. Another 11 were added over the next two days. Showings sold out quickly, and something truly amazing was going on. People were standing in line for hours to see the film and then rapidly spreading the word about the intergalactic space saga. In Washington, D.C., at the Uptown Theater, around 2,000 people had to be turned away from the evening screenings. Several theaters added back-to-back showings, some as late as 11.50 p.m., to accommodate those who wanted to stay up to see the movie. It was quickly becoming clear that the film wasn't just a movie. It was a modern marvel. Star Wars producer Gary Kurtz realized the phenomenon that Star Wars had become while on a radio call in show. A caller was discussing the movie in great detail with Kurtz, and Kurtz commented that he sure knew a lot about the film. The caller said, Yeah, yeah, I have seen it four times already. That was on opening day. Of course, in the Cincinnati area and beyond, the devastating fire remained the top story. Many newspapers covered it, and on page 16 of the May 31st edition, The New York Times listed the victims of the blaze. Nearly all the victims hailed from the surrounding areas of Kentucky and Ohio. By the end of Memorial Day weekend, Star Wars grossed just over $2.5 million from just 43 theaters. Smokey and the Bandit, which also opened that same weekend, barely nudged Star Wars out of the number one spot at $2.6 million, and it was playing in 386 theaters. On June 17th, the movie was playing in 157 screens. 20th Century Fox worked around the clock, producing prints as fast as it could so that Star Wars could reach 360 cinemas the following week. On August 5th, the film's footprint grew to 1,044 screens. It wasn't uncommon for theaters to have the movie showing for six months straight, much longer than a standard movie run. In some theaters, Star Wars played for an entire year. But why were there originally so few theaters showing the movie? How could one of the biggest movies of all time be in just 32 locations on opening day, and in 43 the entire weekend, when most movies at the time would have at least 500 or more movie theaters showing their films? Many believe that 20th Century Fox assumed the movie would be a flop, so much so that they forced many theaters to play Star Wars in order to be able to show the highly anticipated movie, The Other Side of Midnight. Sydney Shelton's 1973 novel of the same name. Others said it was a well-planned marketing campaign to get people to talk about it. If that was the reason, it worked. No matter the reason, after opening night, there were more news stories, headlines, and conversations around the water coolers and kitchen tables about this movie than any other news that weekend. The original budget for the movie was $8 million, which grew to $11 million by the time it was completed. Many within the production worried that the movie wouldn't break even. They were wrong. 20th Century Fox, initially sure that the movie wouldn't be profitable, had its stock double in just two weeks. By 1983, the original movie had made over $520 million, equivalent to more than $1.5 billion in today's dollars. Adjusting for inflation, Star Wars is the second highest grossing movie of all time, only second to Gone with the Wind. Back in Ohio, many speculated that the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire wasn't an accident, but that the mob deliberately started it. However, on June 10th, less than two weeks after the fire, state investigators claimed that defective aluminum electrical wiring was the cause of the blaze. Many believe that the declaration itself was a payoff. The site of the Supper Club was quickly bulldozed, destroying any evidence if a crime had been committed. Later, authorities determined that multiple flaws caused the horrific event: overcrowding of the cabaret room, not enough fire exits, and along with the faulty wiring, there were no sprinkler systems or audible fire alarms. The headline act, John Davidson, wasn't injured that evening, but his music director, Douglas Harrow, died in the fire. Later, Davidson participated in a charity event to raise money in support of the victims' families on July 19, 1985. A $10 million settlement with General Electric ended the last of the civil lawsuits filed on behalf of the victims. All told, there were around $43 million in settlements. If someone is interested in learning more about the Supper Club and the disaster, there are at least a dozen books ranging from first-hand survivor stories to investigative reporting about the event and those who were involved. The area where the Supper Club once stood remained undeveloped until April of 2022. Named Memorial Point, the property had multiple memorials, some permanent and some makeshift for family members who perished in the fire. The ground was broken on the 80-acre track for a multi-purpose living area with homes, apartments, a living center, and even a park. There will be a memorial fountain located at the exact location where the cabaret room stood to honor the 165 victims. It will also include a list of the local first responder units who answered the call, along with a list of safety regulations that resulted because of the tragedy. In addition, it will show maps of the site as it looked in 1977. The Star Wars franchise went on to become a global phenomenon. There were at least a dozen movies and nine TV series with even more on the horizon. In 2012, George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to the Walt Disney Company for $4 billion. It was around $2 billion in cash and $2 billion in stock. Because of the continued success of the franchise, the price of his stock has increased significantly and this deal is now worth over $10 billion. On Memorial Day weekend in 1977, instead of the news of a tragic nightclub fire in the Midwest, people were all talking about a science fiction movie pitting good against evil. Today, some might say the idea of a single movie taking over the nation seems to have been from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And there you have it, all the news that would have been. Thank you for joining us this week on Top Fold. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Top Fold Podcast, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast. All my sources and research can be found at topfold.buzzsprout.com. There, along with other things that bring history to life. I'd like to thank David Wagler for the music. And if you like the show, please rate us and give us a review. Or simply tell a friend. That would be great. So until next time, there you have it. All the news that would have been.